What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Wednesday, February 5th, 2014. You guys listening to episode 147. Um, I, to be honest, did not know if I was going to be able to do a podcast this week. Uh, as you could hear in my voice, I'm sick. My, uh, my throat is a little, whatever you want to call it, hoarse, raspy. I'm, it's been a really rough week, uh, for me and my family, man. My wife is sick as hell. The kids are getting better, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did not think uh, the way I felt yesterday and uh, parts of today that I would be doing a podcast, but I'm um, starting to feel a little better, so I figured to get it out there instead of just missing the whole week. So be back to the beginning of the week next week, but um, yeah, uh feel like shit. And it was one of those where like it wasn't enough to, well, the good thing was I wasn't throwing up because those are the worst when you got the aches and the chills and a fever and you're throwing up. That's like death. Like I wasn't doing that, but just laying in bed achy like somebody kicked the shit out of you. Like you know when the weirdest places are achy? Like your fingernails ache, like your you just parts of your fingers and your your wrist aches, like just just awful shitty pains. And um I had to do the podcast. You know what's funny? I was listening just now to I was watching the Nick game. And I thought they were going to beat Portland. And then Portland just went up like six with 15 seconds left. And I just said, fuck it. And I stopped. And I said, of course they're going to lose. They're going to play a hard game and then lose a heartbreaker like they always do. Because they just don't play defense. So, I mean, I'll get into that with sports. But I got a great, um, great Verzi Effect podcast for you guys tonight. A ton of stuff to talk about. Obviously, the debacle, which was the Super Bowl. I want to get into that. A um, lot of uh, great feedback I got. I didn't realize how you guys were going to take to my um, my Grammy rant. But apparently, uh, people loved the 40 minutes, 30 plus 40 minutes of me shitting on the Grammys. So, I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. But... I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl, which is a debacle. I was in uh, Boston with Joe Matteris performing at the new club out there, Laugh Boston, over the weekend. Got a chance to hang with my brother out there. I did see some movies, so we're going to talk about some movies. So it looks like uh, the sports segment will be filled up this week, obviously, with the Super Bowl. The movies, I saw a couple of movies before the Oscars. Um... You know, before the Oscars come out, uh, so I got a you know a little more knowledge of some of those movies because I was missing a bunch of them, as you guys know. And um, still not drinking, everybody. I still, it's still well, unless you count Nyquil as a drink, but uh, it made me feel better than a drink would feel. To be honest with you, last night I just threw back a shot and a half of Nyquil, and uh, always go a little overboard with the Nyquil. And, uh, you know, knocked me out. But I have not had a drink of alcohol. I have not consumed an alcohol beverage since January 11th. So uh, losing weight and uh, feeling good. Went to the doctor. Of course, and then, of course, I get sick with all kinds of shit going on. So whatever. But got a, got a lot of stuff to talk about. Also, um, just want to address real quick one of my favorite actors uh, passing away, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Absolutely awful. Uh, tragic, tragic. Uh, such a loss, such a talent. Um, movies that I think about when I think of him. And it's funny, he's a huge Knicks fan and he used to talk. And um, when you watch the Knicks games, um, they do something like it's called like a minute at halftime. And like um, this uh, chick, Jill Martin, she interviews a celebrity for like 60 seconds. You know, she goes down celebrity role because obviously there's a lot of celebrities at the Knicks games and... When Philip Seymour Hoffman was there, she was asking about movies and stuff, and he had said that out of all the movies he's done, even Capote, where he won the Academy Award, more people come up to him and yell stuff out and yell lines out from Along Came Polly. Uh, and if you remember, it was so funny with the rain dance and Let It Rain and, and White Chocolate and all that stuff, man. Just so funny. Uh, he was great in that movie, which just shows his range because... Um, you know, I remember Robert De Niro and a couple other actors were talking about how for for a drama act, for an actor in a drama, they say that, uh, I guess, well, De Niro was saying that to go from like drama and serious to comedy is really hard. And I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman just did it amazing. You know, some guys are able to just, you know, do whatever. And, um, but, uh, 
yeah, man, you know, you know how it goes. All the same stuff, thoughts and prayers to, um, to his family. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I was saying recently, like a dream script that I was thinking about would be like Al Pacino, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Edward Norton. Like those are like the guys, Christian Bale, like, they're like, they're like, I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Christian Bale and a couple other guys were like the next, you know, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is in a league of his, you know, a league of his own, but anyway, so just horrible news and uh, going through uh, what my family went through with my brother-in-law with that stuff. Uh, it's becoming a huge epidemic. Um, more people, the numbers of people that are dying, dying from heroin overdoses are just, the numbers are through the roof because they're making it and they're mixing it with stuff that's way stronger and it's just terrible. So, um, you know, what can you say other than it's just a horrible loss and tragedy and, um, you know, hopefully his family can, can move on from it and, and people that are, are using or around people that are using could kind of, you know, use it to, to help somebody. I guess that's the only thing you could say, but, uh, that was, that was awful news that I got right before the Super Bowl. And then that fucking Super Bowl, just Jesus, what a shitty night. But, uh, we'll get into that too, uh, for sure. But, I uh, first want to start off by talking about the trip to Boston. Um, I was out performing, and it was um, me and Boston's own, the young Will Noonan. Uh, Will is a uh, local Boston guy. He was in New York for a while, but he hosted the show, had a good time with Will. He um, actually put me on his podcast, so check that out. Uh, I think the name of his podcast is Hypothetically, and I uh, I think I'm on the next episode or the last episode or whatever, but check that out. But Will hosted the show, and uh, Matt Arise, I was there with Matt Arise. Matt Arise was closing the show, so uh, we performed over at Laugh Boston, which is in the Westin. And uh, it was a you know it was a great time, amazing amazing hotel, and it's nice. It's very very rare when you get to perform. In your oh yes and don't I I do have an unacceptable for the week so I did not forget that but I wanted to say it's really rare when you get to perform where you're staying like we didn't have to leave like we literally were in our room in the Westin and you just go down to the you go down to the lobby and you walk and this beautiful comedy club is attached to the Westin which was uh, amazing nice easy seven thirty show you could literally walk in the elevator at you know, 7.25, get downstairs and you're there. It was awesome. Now, uh, a lot of people, and, and it was cool because, you know, I have um, I have connections to Boston. I talked about it on uh, Will's podcast, but I have connections to Boston. Boston, uh, my brother went to BU, and my brother lives there again now. Um, the Dana-Farber Institute in Boston uh, basically saved my mom's life because my mom had cancer, and... Um, she had surgery, and then she had a tumor, and then they took it out, and she was cancer-free, and then another tumor came, and then they they cut her open, took it out, and after like, you know, so many times, you could only cut somebody open so many times, so they just had to stop doing that, and then it came back, and before her last relapse, where it was like all over her, you know, liver, and it was looking really bad, and she was in stage four, the, uh, the Dana-Farber Institute in Boston um, came up with this test drug. And it was like really helping a certain type of leukemia. And they, my mom was in like a test study of 100 people. And out of the 100, it started to work on 28. And then out of the 28, it kept working for 10. And my mother, you know, amazingly, knock on wood, it continues to work. She's one of the 10. And it's been 14 years. And it, it saved my mom's life. And it gave us 14 more years with her, which is uh, which is amazing and a miracle. So I definitely have, you know, ties to Boston. I, I, there's a place in my heart, obviously, for Boston. But um, people were asking what happened. I posted it on Facebook. But yes, there was an incident. And uh, it's funny because sometimes comedians, and, and this is something that I, I don't know if it's talked about, but uh, Will Noonan had mentioned it, and I, I actually agreed. The first show we did, because apparently like the crowds here at Laugh Boston are great over there, and it, it's just a great crowd, great show. And the first show, all of us were like, Oh man, that was kind of, they were kind of weird. And we found out there was a big dental like thing going on at the Westin. There was a huge convention of dentists and dental hygienists and all that going on at the Westin in Boston. And I don't know like if it was those people because they suck or whatever, but so we go in 
And we're thinking this show's going to be great. And they were all right, but it was just whatever. So Will was saying that maybe, you know, sometimes you take out, you take it out on the next crowd. But I don't know about that because what happened was, all right, and this is pretty funny, but I've never had this happen to me before. Um, Will had said when he introduced me, you know, he gives my credits. He says, oh, you've seen him on this. He's on this. And then he goes from New Jersey or all the way from New Jersey or something. He said, Paul Verzi. So I grabbed the microphone and I go, well, actually, I came in from New York. I'm not from Jersey. I'm from New York. And then this dude just yells out from the crowd right before I say anything, which kind of really annoyed me. He goes, um, oh, sorry to hear that. And then like the place starts booing and there's like 200 people in there, a couple boo, 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 boo. So I just go right for the fucking throat. Like I went from like, I just went from like, you know something, I'll have a little fun to like, fuck you people. I don't care how many of you there are. And I just said, that's all right. I go, that's all right. You could boo New York. At least our tight ends don't kill people. So suck my dick. And it was, and I'm not joking. Now, I've said that once before in a theater with Burr, but not like that. I didn't say it like that. I think this time I just had a little more conviction and a little more fire. And I just hear someone go, oh, oh, and then they're just staring at me. And there's like angry looks and mumbles and it's quiet and there's 200 people. And now I'm digging a hole you know, that I need to get out of, or it's going to be a long next 20, 25 minutes, you know, so, uh, excuse me, this medicine is, uh, this medicine's getting me fucking tired during this thing, but anyway, so, what happens is, I'm sitting there and I'm going, all right, well, you know what, you just did that, now you got to dig yourself out. And I wasn't caring or sweating it by any stretch. Like you would never know. But in my mind, I'm like, let's see what happens. And it took me about, I think like two minutes, two, two and a half minutes to really start getting the crowd going. But the weirdest thing during the set was I never in my comedy career ever could feel hundreds of people or, or the majority of people not like me. You know, not like me. And, and and I'll tell you something that happened to, to kind of validate this feeling and this sense that I had. But it was really weird and unique to have 200 people laughing, knowing that the majority of them didn't like me, but they were still laughing. And I kind of took something from that because it was like, wow, you know, I dug a hole, man. I told these people to suck my dick. I kind of shit on Boston right out of the gate kind of, you know, saying something really insulting that's going on in their town, and then now I'm making them laugh, and the joke, it made me feel like my jokes were worthy enough and, and, and good enough to get the laughs, even though they didn't like me, and, um, you know, I got a dirty look or two when people were leaving, but a lot of people did come up to me and say they thought I was hilarious and good, and, and I didn't care, and it felt good, you know, it really did feel good to to kind of tell those people to fuck off, you know what I mean? Like, don't boo and do that shit early in the set. But but to my... And Will was laughing because apparently he, he said, like, one of the funniest things he took from the weekend was me coming in the green room after my set going, yeah, you know, I think I just told him to suck my dick a little too early. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that that's what happened. And then the next sets were... You know, the next sets were fine. We had a really good time, you know, in there. My, my brother came out and some other people came out. So, nice time, fun time. You know, check it out. The Westin, I mean, Boston is, is great by the, I believe it's by the water down there. Um, but, you know, so that that's what happened. And I never had people that weren't liking me laugh. Like making somebody, you know, it would almost be like getting into, I feel like it would be like if you got into an argument with somebody at your job, but you sat at the same table with them in the kitchen, and you guys got into it, got into it, you know, and you in, in a meeting with your manager, and like words were said and things like that, and then you kind of leave civilly, but like it was not good, and then you're eating at the same table, and you say something, everyone laughs, and you look over, and then that person's laughing, that's how it, that's what it felt like, and I was like, oh shit, all right, all right, so these jokes are funny and worthy of, of it, you know, because they could have easily just totally tuned out. And, um, but I guess there's an experience for everything. Uh, then what we did, and this was one of the funniest things, and I have to say, 
as funny as New York characters are, like the Brooklyn accent and the New Yorker guys going, hey, get the fuck out of here, this and that. Like, even though that's funny, I got to tell you something. Boston characters may be the funniest people. And not just because of the accents, but like just the things they say and what they get excited about. And like, we went down to the North End, which is Boston's Little Italy. Really cool spot, and that's the only place that has a cigar bar. Now, you guys know one thing that I like to do, and, and I like to do it with the comedians that I'm with in whatever city I'm in. You know, I did it in January, I was in three cities I was in um, Cleveland, I was in Baltimore, and I was in Boston. And I had a cigar in all of them. I mean, that's what I like to do. I don't get crazy, I don't go to clubs, I don't go to parties, I like to get a cigar. And a lot of people, my friends, and our little circle of whatever comedians or, or close friends, they like cigars too. So it's nice because now we know whatever city we're in, we say, all right, let's do the shows. And is there a cool cigar bar? And usually either the club will let us know where to go or, you know, sometimes it, it's really cool. They'll set things up for you or they'll tell you where to go and what to do. Now, Boston only has one really, you know, famous known cigar bar in the North End, which is their Little Italy. So we go down there and we're sitting there and... um it was me, Matt Arisa, and my brother Christian, and we're sitting there, and we're, you know, we, we ordered cigars. They get like a menu when you order cigars, and the, the mayor of Boston was there. Some congressmen were in there, and we're just sitting there, and right next to our table was a little, and I'm sure Matt is going to talk about it, this on his podcast, but right next to our table our, our, you know, the, the, and we were sitting near the door, thank God, because it was real smoky, so whenever the, and it was freezing, so whenever the door would open, this gust of cold air would come in and just kind of wipe out a ton of smoke and, and, you know, give you, like, refreshing air, because even though I love cigars and I love the smell and stuff, like, it, it, when you're just sitting in a box of everybody smoking, it could be a little much, so we're sitting there, and the, um, right next to my head, there's this glass case with jewelry in it. And I see this guy, this short, middle-aged, like, balder guy, like, dressed nice, button-down shirt, everything. You know, you could tell he had, like, those expensive glasses on. He he puts a key in this little jewelry case or box, and he opens it, and he's playing with those jewelry. And I said, oh, man, are you the owner? And he was like, no, no, not the owner. I, uh, you know, this, I just own this, this box I own. And uh, he was this Armenian guy, and we end up having this conversation and I swear to God, it was one of the funniest things. Like me and Matt Arise were imitating this guy. This guy's name was Hamo. And he was holding the biggest cigar I've ever seen in my life smoking it. And he goes, no, no. And he looks and he talks to us. He goes, hey, how you doing? No, no problem. Where are you from? No, New York. Yeah, I'm going to the Super Bowl on Saturday. And we're talking. And it was like, what are you doing? He goes, no, I design cigar jewelry. Everything cigar jewelry. And he takes out this case. And he's he. this guy makes like rings that are like Super Bowls, like rings, like diamonds and everything, but it'll be like an ashtray, like designed ashtray with like a little like white gold fucking cigar hanging off of it and then a red ruby at the tip of the cigar as if the cigar is lit and this big white gaudy ring. He had everything. He had bracelets, rings. He had cufflinks. He had cigar fucking cufflinks on his button-down shirt. So we're sitting there laughing, right? And we're talking to him, and he's like, everything cigar, cigar all the time. And we're talking, and I go, how many cigars do you smoke a day? Minimum, five, six, minimum a day. Now, let me tell you, if you don't smoke a cigar, when I smoke two in a day, I think the most I've ever smoked in a day was three. When I smoke two in a day, my throat is on fire. Though I have to wash my mouth, that you know, do that. This guy, five, six, I smoke five, six minimum cigar a day. Sometimes nine, nine cigar a day. Everything, he was, I'm not even, I'm not even exaggerating. He goes, everything cigar. He goes, I'm here day and night, everything cigar. You know, he goes, well, you know, my kids, I'm divorced. My kids, of course, my kids, but cigar, you know, my kids. But, you know, cigar, everything cigar. I swear to God, this guy was the funniest. So then he finishes his cigar. And then he fucking pulls out a cigar that was the size of a damn cucumber. I've never seen anything like this. And I go, what's that? He goes, oh, this cigar, this is a Fuentes from... And he's just, all, I don't know, telling me it's from the Dominican Republic or whatever. He goes, this is $80 a cigar. Uh, you want one? You want one? And I was like, no, nah, man. I was already like, this guy was probably just going to hand me one of these friggin' cannons that he had. 
And then he's got one of his jewelry things, and I was like, oh, and he goes, yeah, see, the, the, this ring goes on your finger, or do you put on cigar? And, like, he would slide it on the cigar and, like, have this gaudy jewelry on a cigar, and he just lights this cigar up. I have a picture of him. Matt Arisa and I took a picture of him. I got to place it somewhere, but... And he was so cool. He goes, next time you come, you know, he, he knew that we were the comedians. He, next time you come, I take you out. So I said to him, I go, uh, Hamo, I go, where are you going to go for the Super Bowl? Are you going to tailgate or go to a party? He goes, no, no, we go cigar bar and we smoke cigar and we go to the game. And then after the game, we go back, we go to cigar bar, everything cigar. And I was like, are you here all the time? He goes, day and night, day and night cigar. He goes, my life is cigar. I sit outside, I smoke cigar, I drink a cappuccino and watch people. That's what we do. And it was just so fucking funny. So he was such a character. And he goes, okay, take care. And you see him shaking hands with everybody. And then if that wasn't enough, the guy David, who apparently owns it, and I forgot his last name, real Italian, Richie or Richie, whatever. He's got this deep tan, right? You could tell this guy was just a, this guy had a deep tan. He had like dress shoes on and jeans with like this weird like vest coat and he's walking around. He's got these, these he's got like bracelets on. He's smoking a cigar. Hey, how you guys doing? Where you from? New York? He was such a politician. He's kissing guys on the cheek goodbye like he's in the mafia. You know, the mayor's in there, congressman. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, you know, come in anytime. Just so political, so nice, but like just playing the game with all of his clients and just so into it and the tan and the look. And I got to tell you, you mix that in with a Boston accent and it's not, nothing is funnier. I'm telling you, we went to the club. We went to the club one night, and the guy at the door was like, uh, oh, man, I think it's going to be a uh, sold-out tonight guy. They like to say guy. Oh, yeah, sold-out tonight guy. It's going to be a good one. guy. Fuck this crowd tonight. They suck. They're going to kill tomorrow, kid. It's, it's fucking over. It's, it's going to be a sold-out crowd tomorrow, guy. And you're just laughing your ass off. But I got to tell you, at the end of the day, putting aside the fucking stupid Boston, New York, Yankees, Red Sox rivalry, man, by far my top five cities in America, maybe number two or three. You know, I don't even count Vegas because Vegas is just a playground and amazing. But New York is right up there with Boston to me. I love Boston way better than Chicago um, as far as the city. Now, I haven't... Uh, you know, anybody listening to Chicago, I'm not trying to hate on Chicago because I was there. I heard great things and I have to, you know, say in Chicago's defense, I was extremely exhausted the one day that I actually got to spend in the city and eat something and go to a game. I was I was on no sleep. So maybe that's why. And you know me with sleep. So maybe that's why. But um, I need to see more of Chicago, which I, I plan to do. I want to see more of Chicago before I could make this judgment. But as far as cities that I've spent much time in and that I've, I'm really familiar with, Boston is the shit, man. It, it's up there, you know. It's up there. But uh, hopefully I'm going to be going out to Zanies in Chicago pretty soon and be able to hang out there. Um, love to actually go to Wrigley and see a Cubs game if that's a possibility. I don't know. So if there's any Cubs fans out there with a hookup, let me know. I'll come out there and uh, when the weather's warm and I'll go see the the Cubbies play and I'll listen to some celebrity butcher uh, take me out to the ball game. So, um, but that was the Boston trip, and um, it was great. The, the one other thing, my brother and I go in. We we went into uh, we went into what's it called um, to to Little Italy to eat. We were starving. And we ordered meatballs. And the lady was like, oh, they're big. And she was like Italian, like right off the boat. And she's like, they're big. And my brother's like, well, how big? You know, and she's like, really big. And he ordered way more than you should. And I swear to God, the meatballs came out and they looked like fucking softballs. Like by the time you were halfway done one, and I ended up having two. And I'm just like sweating halfway through the second one. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And it felt like I, I just slept with an anvil in my gut. It was, But it was just so over-the-top Italian and, and Little Italy. But uh, So check out the North End and Laugh Boston. But that was the Boston trip. And um, it was awesome. It was Oh, and I said that I was going to... Listen, this is the, this is the power of the podcast. I said that I was going to shout this young lady out. And I will absolutely weirdest thing happens, okay? And she better be listening to the Verzi Effect now, and she better be a Verzi Effect 
fan from now on, okay? Because I'm I'm doing the personal shout out and I'm I'm remembering the name. But um, we go. We're driving back. Me and Matteris. We're driving back, and we're at Dunkin' Donuts, and we're in line. And Matteris is talking to me, and all of a sudden, this lady turns around and she goes, "I know that voice." Well, you're Joe Matteris, right? And, you know, I'm just smiling. I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. She goes, yeah, I listen to your podcast. And I'm thinking there's no fucking way she's going to know me, you know? And she just turns and she goes, wait, and Paul Verzi? Wait, no, Paul Verzi? And I'm like, yeah, what? Are you kidding me? And she's like, yeah, you know, I listen to the podcast. And, you know, I've I've kind of, um... Now, she wasn't listening to the Verzi effect, so now she will be. I'm hoping. <laughs> but uh, she was listening to uh, Fixing Joe, and I, I, you know, I've... When I can, you know, Joe likes to have me on, and you know, we both live in Westchester, so we do the show a lot together. But uh, her name was Julia, um, and I know her last name begins with an L, and it was Italian, and it's like La Luce. Ah, you know what? I'm gonna butcher it, so I don't even want to do that. But it was Julia L on Twitter. If you give me the name, I will, I will remember, and you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm I didn't want to butcher it, but it was, she was cool, man, and that was so cool to get recognized. So, thank you, Julia, and I hope you're a fan of the show um, now. And don't worry, usually I'm not this uh, sick-sounding, okay? I'm not this. I just didn't want to not do one, okay? So, um, let's get into Unacceptable for the week. Unacceptable this week is not going to be a 40-minute rant on the Grammys, or, or like the one that I did on the Grammys. But unacceptable for this week is nice hotels like the Westin not having fucking Wi-Fi for free in the room. Are you kidding me? Unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Okay? You mean to tell me a Hampton Inn, a Sheraton, a Courtyard, a Marriott, I can go to my room and open my laptop and enjoy it, but a nice, really expensive hotel like the Westin wants you to go downstairs in the lobby, what, so it looks busy? That's bullshit. It's unacceptable. The rooms are insanely expensive. Now, granted, I'm not paying for the room. The comedy club is. I get that, okay? But at the same time, it's like your guest and the performers at the show, which is located in the Westin have to go downstairs or it's like and then listen it's not about the money everybody it's not it's just i gotta go on and sign up and put my name and get emails and do all that shit and spend like ten dollars and 99 cents for a couple of days or whatever it is just so i can have wi-fi in my room or i gotta fucking schlep my ass down the hallway see a bunch of strangers get in an elevator go down the elevator with strangers and then sit in a lobby with strangers who are all crowded around a fucking starbucks or all this other shit they're crowd around so I could get free internet, that's unacceptable, okay, you're the Weston, act like it, okay, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me, if, if, it just doesn't make sense to me, okay, if Brendan Frazier's, okay, if fucking Brendan Frazier's are fucking giving it to you, then fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman should be giving it to you, there's my tribute to him, okay, you're the fucking Daniel Day-Lewis of hotels, Give free Wi-Fi. The fucking Hampton Inn is giving that, giving the free Wi-Fi. It's unacceptable. I gotta sit up there and sign up like I'm doing a fucking like a Scantron test. So 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 I and pay ten bucks so you guys could send me things on the Westin, which I'm probably never gonna visit again unless that's the hotel the comedy club has put me in. I mean, come on, it's unacceptable. I gotta go down and smell continental breakfast all hours of the morning if I want to check my email on time because I, because you guys can't have it in the comfort of my room. Unacceptable. And and the big ones do that. That's what I don't understand. The big ones do it. It's like it's like ones that and and listen, Sheridans are great stuff like that. They give it to you for free. I think Hiltons give it to you. But like some of these like Hyatts or Westons, like yeah, it's like ten ninety nine or ten bucks for it's like for, for, are you kidding me? I'm staying here. Unacceptable. Unacceptable for the week is a big time nice hotel charging you Wi Fi for the room so you could schlep your ass down. Think about that. Doesn't even make sense. I was at a I was at a Holiday Inn in shitty downtown Cleveland. Which looks like they just fucking got an aerial assault from 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 the Navy. Downtown Cleveland, sometimes like it looks like with all the construction and the things that they're doing down there and how decimated it is, it looks like they just called in the cavalry and said, "Yeah, dude, bring the heat. 
Just bring the just bring the F eighteen Hornets and just drop what you got, and and hopefully a sandwich place stays intact. Uh, that that's what downtown Cleveland could look like. And the and the and the Holiday Inn over there gave me in the comfort of my own room Wi Fi. And I'm at a beautiful Westin by the water in Boston, and I can't get it. I gotta schlep my ass down fourteen whatever it is eleven eleven stories to sit down. With a million people and traffic going in and out, where I'm trying to enjoy, you know, relax and go online. And I read my news online. I do a lot of stuff, you know. It's like I, I do a lot of stuff with my laptop. So, uh, unacceptable. Get your shit together. I hope someone from the Westin, if you work for the Westin or if you're in any kind of hotel management for a living, why don't you fix that? Because I'll tell you right now, I'd much rather stay at a Sheraton or a Marriott where I had everything in my room. Then stay at a Hyatt or a Westin where the room is a little nicer, but I got to schlep my ass down that far, okay? And smell croissants and shit. By the way, I do like croissants. Croissants are my shit. That's why I'm talking about croissants. I love croissants. Croissants are good. Croissants and jelly, it's a great vacation breakfast. It makes me want to have it all the time. But you know what? I don't have them at home because when I'm at home, it would depress me to have it at home because it's such a vacation thing. There's nothing like a fresh croissant and like strawberry jelly. When you're away. I don't got to be far. I could be in Jersey. It just tastes better. It's better. Croissants underrated. Fucking underrated. A croissant is. Anything. You could put a burger on a croissant. It's delicious. Eggs on a croissant. Are you kidding me? I mean, and a fresh one. Not not those shitty, flaky, you know, hard, fucking biting. No, no, no. I'm talking about a croissant, man. I'm talking about those soft, steamy... You could pull it apart, but it's like stringy bread. Oh, my God, and the smell of it is delicious. And then you throw a little strawberry jelly in there. Over. Over. I bet you a lot of you is going to buy a croissant tomorrow. And I hope you do. Underrated. Absolutely. Um, all right, 32 minutes, and that's unacceptable. I was really pissed off about that to the point where I didn't even use my laptop, everybody. Luckily, I had my iPhone, but I kept my laptop in my book bag, and it just sat there. I didn't even take it out. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying 11 bucks while I'm a guest here when I could go down. And they put you in that, that, that situation where it's like, now I feel like I'm a cheap fuck, and it has nothing to do with the money. It was actually the thought of them making their guests go through the process of taking out a credit card. You know, the whole thing. Or, or calling up the desk and telling them to use the credit card and filling out the thing and giving a password and doing all that. The fact that you got to do that. How about opening up and saying, guest of, boom, Sheraton. There you go. There's your Wi-Fi. Unacceptable. For the new listeners of the Verzi Effect podcast, I do an unacceptable every week. Um, sometimes they are long, violent um, rants filled with a lot of words that children shouldn't listen to. Sometimes they're quick. Either way, every week I've missed a couple. And um, the, the funny one was I missed one, and then the next one, the next week was me missing one was unacceptable. But I've I do I've missed a couple here and there, but. Um, if there's anything that you find unacceptable, if it's a good one, I will definitely use it. Otherwise, I'll just use an experience that I've had. But that's uh, that's what we're doing. And as you Verzi effectors know, I don't even like giving nicknames because I know a lot of podcasts do that. But the effectors kind of just kind of stuck. But um, you guys know I do the movies and the Super Bowl. So we will get into that right now. Okay. Um, where do I start? Do I start? You know what? I'll start with the Super Bowl. Let's get this out of the way now. Um... Well, I was wrong. I can say that. Uh, my original guess was right, that they would, the Broncos would lose, but that was to the 49ers. And when I said it was the Seahawks, when I saw it was the Seahawks, I thought the Broncos would win. I mean, all I could say is, wow, that was one of the worst, most embarrassing. And Peyton Manning said embarrassing is not a good word. Embarrassing is a fine word. It's a perfect word. That's what Denver did. Denver didn't show up. They didn't want it as much. You know, as good as Seattle's defense was, you could tell. I actually thought, and I, th I felt this, when they ran out of the tunnel, okay? When Seattle ran out with their flag and the place was going nuts. When Denver ran out, Denver was like, some guys were like jogging out. It was almost as if they knew they were going to get the shit beaten out of them. 
That defense beat the shit out of that. Denver Broncos got embarrassed. And here's why I feel bad. Because Peyton Manning, that was 111 million people watching that. That was the most watched sporting event ever in history. And one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. His legacy is 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 actually, gonna, like that's going to be remembered. That's, that's a tainted. I mean, he already threw an interception to lose a Super Bowl against the Saints. And then he goes out there. And I mean, I know it wasn't all his fault. And I know that a lot of other accidents happened and stuff but like I mean the Broncos just I mean that was in from the first snap they were snake bitten I mean the guy throwing the ball in the end zone and then the fumble recovery and then the interception for a touchdown and then right after the half starts you know fucking Percy Harvin runs it for a, for a touchdown for the kick I mean it was just absolutely now if you're a Peyton hater, if you're a Tom Brady lover, if you're a Seattle fan, I get it. It was a great Super Bowl, but I got to be honest, all in all, if you're a fan of football, that was a fuck, that was a bust. That was a bust. That game was over by halftime. Bruno Mars, thank God he was good because if that show sucked, you're talking about the worst thing ever. At least he saved it a little. I don't know why the Red Hot Chili Peppers were there. I mean, the Red Hot Chili Peppers came out and just started screaming, what, what, the, 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 and then it was, yeah, the, and they left. I mean, I don't know what the fuck they did. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, and this is a little continuation to the from the Grammys, but, like, it seems like now it's just old meets new, and, and old does what old's done forever, and the new does what they do, and the place goes, I mean, can we stop with this shit already? Do we need the Red Hot Chili Peppers to come out with their dyed hair and no shirts like they did 10 years ago and 12 years ago and 15 years ago? Dancing around like fucking lunatics. Can we stop it? Seriously, can we just stop it for a second and just have the guy with the nice fucking jacket and blazer on sit at a piano and do normal shit? Or do we need that stupid, crazy... You know, 50-year-olds jumping around. I mean, I get it, but it's like, chill out, dude. There's no reason for you to be there for half the song, which you've sang forever. You're probably bored of it. You know? I just don't get it. I don't I, I don't get it. George Carlin's not going to do a special and then just be like, hey, everybody, yeah, yeah, Bill Cosby's here. And Bill Cosby just fucking does a joke about pudding and leaves. I mean, I know it's just stop it already. It's done. You don't need to be extra. Just do it. Just do it. You know what I mean? Bruno Mars. But anyway, that's a whole other other rant. I mean, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I'm not shitting on them. I think they're a good band. But there's no reason for them to be there. Especially for half a song. Like, when I heard it was like Bruno Mars, and then they were like, oh, Bruno Mars and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was like, okay. Maybe Bruno Mars and the Red Hot Chili Peppers have a collaboration on one of their new albums. Maybe something like that. Maybe the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Bruno Mars are good friends and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are working on a new album so they want to throw a new song out there. You know, and then Bruno Mars... No, it wasn't that. It was Bruno Mars doing his songs. He announces the Chili Peppers. They come in and what they get to get to give it to... And then they fucking, they leave. So, whatever. Whatever. Um... But Bruno Mars was good, and then the game starts, and you're rooting for Peyton, and then it was just, then it, it just got embarrassing, I mean, it got, it was so bad that, like, it got so bad and ridiculous that I didn't even care that I was wrong anymore, because if I was wrong, and it would have been a good game, and Seattle won, I'd come on and say, hey, man, you know what, I was wrong, and I'll admit, I was wrong, I'll eat some crow, I was wrong, I didn't think Seattle's defense was that good, I thought Peyton could pick it apart a little more, I'll get, but, but, I mean, can the receivers hold on to the ball? Can the receivers not fucking get the ball and run three yards and then it fumbles? And then and even they, they fumbled and got it back a couple times. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It looked like Denver didn't even want to be there. It was a joke. It was actually an embarrassment. That that game, I mean, that game set the Denver Broncos back in my mind. Like, that was bad, man. That was a bad football team on that day. And it shouldn't have been because they were great all year. That was really bad. It almost it was almost so bad that I'm like is this is this fixed? Like is the NFL fi- like th- this is so crazy from the first snap going over his head. Think about that. You're talking about one of the most prolific passers. This is one of the best offenses, breaking records, touchdown passing records. Like they they they've probably had their first drive down a million times. This is that and it and on Super Bowl Sunday this fat center just flicks it over his head into the end zone. Like, is that normal? Like, it, that doesn't seem right. And I'm not saying it's fixed, but think about it for a second. Look at what happened in the game. I mean, if that was ever a laydown by a team, that was it. That was it. 
fumbles. Look, all I'm saying is this. I'm not joking you right now, and I'm being dead serious right now. And I take responsibility. I'm going to say this. The Seattle... The Seattle defense showed up and beat the shit out of the, the, the Broncos. I mean, that hit on Welker. I mean, they were getting hit instantly. They were getting no yardage. They were getting no first down. It was an absolute beatdown, and I don't take anything away from Seattle's defense. That being said, if they came out tomorrow and said there's reports that that Super Bowl was fixed, that Vegas had it fixed because a lot of money came in and they, things were done and things were set. I, I'm not even joking around. I would be like, uh, that makes sense. I mean, it was ridiculous how many things went wrong. Have you ever seen that many things go wrong? Think about it. Let, let's, let's, let's do a review of what went wrong. Opening snap we all saw, okay? Then you got the fumble... Okay, then you got the interception, the, the two interceptions, I mean, it can't be fixed, but like all of these things that have happened, and you're like, is it that much of a better team versus, uh, the, you know, one team? Is one team that much better? And I mean, I guess that day they were, but wow. Wow, that was a beatdown. So, you know. I mean, you got to fight a little bit. I mean, get, you know what I mean? If they lost 38 to 30 or 35 to 28, or even if they lost by 15, 14 points. But I mean, was it 43 to 8 or something? I mean, that's crazy. What an awful Super Bowl. The commercial sucked. I got to fucking, I got to see, I got to, here's another one. I got to see Bruce Willis saying that, that if you, you, you hug somebody you love and then try to sell a Chevy car. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. What's next? They're going to go into like a fucking cancer-ridden wing of a hospital and be like, yeah, these kids are dying. That's why the Dodge Durango family wants to give 25 cents for every Durango. Go fuck you. You know, it's like, it's so stupid. Hug somebody you love because you could be, yeah, I know. Driving is dangerous. And I always say that. I told my son the other day, driving is the most dangerous thing. Driving is dangerous. You got to be careful, you know. But come on, man. How many car commercials? It was all car commercials, mostly. That's what I saw. I don't know. I just, I thought the all around, I thought the Super Bowl stunk. I thought the only thing that was good, I thought Bruno Mars did a nice job. I really did. I thought he did a nice job. I thought that opera singer at the National Anthem, that was okay. I mean, it was a little different. Not my taste. My national anthem, I like it to be, I'm talking about it like it's a steak. I like it a little, cooked on a little medium, no, I like it though, I mean obviously Whitney Houston had the best one ever, but that's what I like. I like a great voice, like a Whitney Houston or Christina Aguilera, without stretching the, the syllables out 19 seconds a piece. You know, I just like a great voice, but all the way through, real quick, kill it, get in and out of there like a sniper, and, and that's it, you know. But I thought that was good, and I thought Bruno Mars was good, but the game stunk, and you know, I didn't have people over, something, I don't know, I was lucky, I, I, I could have went to the Super Bowl, I, I almost had, you know, I almost made the decision to go, I had, I had an availability and opportunity for tickets, and I, I didn't go, because I, you know, I came back from Boston, I didn't want to go to the game. And I was going to have people over gambling and watch the game. And I just, by the time I got back from Boston, it was just too late. So it was just me and my family. And uh, luckily, because it stunk. I mean, think about this. When was the last time you watched the Super Bowl that you almost tapped out of? Like it was a bad game on a Sunday, like on a Sunday afternoon at one or four o'clock. Like, oh, they're getting killed. Change the channel over to the other network and see what the other game is. That's what the Super Bowl was. That was awful. That was just awful. That was that was watching a puppy limp. That's what I called that one. That was watching a puppy limp. And Peyton, did you see Peyton's face? He was shaking his head, and he fucking knew it right away. So, that's the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't know. Commercials were fucking. P. Diddy's face is unacceptable. He stinks. He fucking sucks. I can't stand that guy's face and his whole like half chip on his shoulder with his mouth half open because it looks like he can't breathe through his nose. Fuck P. Diddy. 
You know, I, I'm, it's just so ridiculous. It's just annoying, isn't it? Annoying? Am I am I being a dick? Am I being a tired, sick dick, or am I am I right? Isn't it annoying? I need to see P Diddy wearing fucking shades, walking around with Victoria's Secret models in his mouth open because it doesn't look like he knows how to breathe through his nose. Fuck him and Bruce Willis. Hug somebody you know, and and go to Chevy because Chevy wants to fucking use your family to buy cars. That's what Chevy wants to do, like everybody else. Yeah, but you know what? Kia and Hyundai and Toyota and Ford and Infinity and fucking whoever else, they don't care about your family. But you know what? On this Super Bowl Sunday, Chevy wants you to shut up. All right, I'm not going to get angry because I was angry on the last podcast. All right, everybody. I saw Wolf of Wall Street and Gravity in 3D. It's time for some movies. Let's get into some movies here. Um, first movie was... What did I see first? Oh, we saw Wolf of Wall Street. And Matt Arise had it in his head that he had to see Wolf of Wall Street with me. So we planned to go in the afternoon, but Matt Arise had to do radio. Now, I did not have to do radio, which I was psyched about. And I'm not a morning person, so I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the movies. And he's like, dude, please, can we just go to an earlier movie? Because... I got to do radio at 3.30, but I really want to see Wolf of Wall Street with you. I want to see your reaction. And I'm like, dude, then we have to go at 11-something. He's like, do you mind? So we literally went to an 11.30 a.m. Wolf of Wall Street, which wasn't bad because it was only 7 bucks, and uh, which I don't care about. But, you know, it was like, oh, wow, you're so used to paying like 15 14 And we go... We go into the movie, and I was locked in from the moment the movie started. Like, I laughed so hard at some parts. Thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, have no criticisms for it, other than I think, and you know, there's nothing really wrong with this, so I won't. I won't consider it a. Um, first of all, Leonardo DiCaprio's. I'm going to tell you this right now, and and I, I always fail to mention him. Because it's almost like the pretty boy thing. It's only, you know, complimenting a guy complimenting Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of like a, a guy complimenting Jeter back in the day when all those chicks had marry me Derek signs at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, he's the heartthrob and he's the, you know, he's the hunk and he's the, what's it called? You know, the one that all the ladies want. He's the stud. So, you know, that's why, like, a dude could never rock a Jeter jersey because all the women were. That's kind of how I feel about Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio is such a good actor. He is so good at what he does. I mean, he was great in The Departed. He's great in The Aviator. He's great in whatever he does. And Scorsese knows how to utilize him. You could tell it's like a great thing with a coach and a player. Um, I thought Jonah Hill, who, uh, you know... I didn't want to like in it because when I saw his face, I was like, is he doing this fucking over-the-top character? Jonah Hill killed it in that. The Wolf was great. Um, it was thoroughly entertaining. The only thing that I would say, and it's not even a criticism, it's just that you could tell he used the blueprint of, you know, Casino, the hot blonde, the fight with the kids at the end, and, you know, the, the downfall is always the same. And I guess that, that but it's a true story, and... I mean, some of those scenes, the scene in the in the Lamborghini was amazing. The, um, you know, just just the, just the scenes when he was giving speeches to sales, you know, and I come from a sales background. When I first started doing stand-up, I was 21 years old, you know, just trying to do any shows that I possibly could do in the city. But I was selling phone, cable, internet, door-to-door. I became a supervisor for that. So, you know, I learned all that technique and don't take no for an answer and cold calling and stuff. So for me, just watching that and listening to, and the real guy, Jordan Belfort, the real guy, if you listen to him talk in seminars, man, he's motivating. He's, um... You know, but just goes to show, I mean, he stole all that money, did like no time in jail, and he's out making money now. But Jonah Hill killed it. Leonardo DiCaprio killed it. I mean, I don't know what to say if you didn't like this movie. This movie is funny. The dialogue is great. The It's serious. The, the, the acting is amazing. Um, it's a true story, so you see what these guys did, and, and, you know, it seems like they kept true to a lot of it. Just great. Just great. So I really liked it. And, uh, you know, I know it's a late review because it's been out for a while. But, um, you know, if it didn't get best movie, 
that's fine with me because it was great. I thought it was a great movie. I wasn't like, oh, this is the, this has to. It was a great, great movie, and it was so entertaining, and I could watch it a thousand times in a row. It was one of those movies. But I will tell you this: Leonardo DiCaprio should win the Academy Award for Best Actor. I really believe that he was amazing in that movie, and Jonah Hill was great in his part. Both of them should win. That that's how great. I mean, they, they, it was great. Um, and then I saw Gravity in 3D, and it was like, eh. You know, I mean, bunch of unrealistic bullshit. Sandra, Sandra Bullock fucking jumping around from space station to space station, which would never happen in a million years. So you're just watching this, like... I mean, it was almost comical. She's, like, floating around through space using a fire extinguisher as her, like, rocket propeller. Are you shitting me? I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, it was, it was good. It was good. But if you actually looked at it seriously, you could actually go from it being good to this is just such a overwhelmingly incredible, like, full of shit movie I've ever seen where, you know, I mean, you, I couldn't, you couldn't survive, like, one of those things happening, I don't think you could survive, let alone, I mean, the only thing that didn't happen to her up there was a dog didn't float by and just shit on her spacesuit and, and then just keep floating, like, that's the only thing bad that didn't happen. To Sandra Bullock in space. That's how fucking, you know, like a branch didn't hit her on the head. <clears throat> I was waiting for it to start raining up there. Like, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> I wish I could laugh more, but I can't because I'm sick. Um, but that that was funny. Um, you know, and then, and then you know, you know, she gets home and she gets up and then the movie's over. So it was more of just like, okay, all well, this horrible shit's going to happen and you're going to get down. So it was more of, I guess, like a, a an effects type of movie. But that was good, too. You know, I mean, it was good. It was good. It wasn't great, but it was all right. It was just a little incredible. But, you know, but Wolf of Wall Street made me, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not saying this to be a dick. I, um, I uh, dabbled, you know, in my younger days with cocaine. Not a lot. Not heavy. Never big. You know, I was always the guy to kind of never... I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I guess I'll end on some drug talk and then uh, I'll do some plugs and wrap up. But I was never one to, I was never big on drugs. I'm not a drug guy. You know, I was more, you know, drinks. Yeah, I would have some drinks. I'd party hard with drinks. And I guess you could call alcohol a drug, but I was never a hardcore drug guy. I was never, even weed, I didn't like. It made me paranoid. It made me tired. You know, I was a type that I, you know, if I if I got really high, and plus when I was in high school coming up with my friends, it was all shitty weed, you know, fucking brown shitty weed that like you'd be tired and out of it. You know, it wasn't good shit. Not like now. You know, now you fucking take one hit and you feel like you you know you feel like you're walking on air. But um, there were a few times, occasional times, special times, and I was luckily the type of guy that when I did do it. You know, mess around with cocaine a little bit. When I did do it, God, I hope my mother doesn't hear this. But when I did do it, I was smart enough to know. Like, I'll give you an example. I remember one New Year's Eve years ago. I was in my early 20s. And just a tiny little dabble with it, right? And it was great. And it was amazing. And then I remember the next weekend, my same friends were like, hey, we're getting more. And I was like, no, that's how a problem starts. So I was able to be like that. And, um, you know, I, it, it's, I'm not proud of it. You know, I'll never do it again. Um, I will obviously tell my children, you know, to, to never touch or, or do anything like that. And that if they ever did find out, I'll say, daddy is a fucking idiot trying something. Cause you know, you think you're invincible and you know, it's, it's so stupid, you know? Um, but I got to tell you, Wolf of Wall Street made me be like, all right, maybe one gram, you know, just a little pick me up, you know, just knock out a gram and start fucking call up, a, you know, buy some penny stocks, I don't know, it, it was just, like, that movie just made you feel like anything goes, it was crazy, man, it was wild, like, that movie, that movie made you feel like you want to relapse, you know, so, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big drug, I never did shrooms, one time I put acid on my tongue, and I just spit it out, I didn't want to do it, I was like, I'm not doing this, just put it on my tongue for a second and spit it out. So I never really did that. I was up all night laughing, so maybe I had a tiny effect. But, you know, I didn't see leprechauns and shit chilling out on the trees. Uh, um, yeah, never did shrooms, never did acid. Just, yeah, just smoked weed a few times, messing with the, you know, with the powder a couple times. Nothing big. And then, and just booze, you know. So, and, uh, 
Yeah, and just I just went back. I don't know. I know I opened up with the Philip Seymour Hoffman thing, and now I'm coming back to it because it's just I was watching the Knicks game, and they showed him up on the thing, and then they showed Spike Lee's face, and you could tell Spike Lee because they did a movie together, and Spike Lee was, you know, you could tell he's really obviously disturbed about it, but it's just amazing that somebody that smart, you know, it's like the whole drug thing is amazing that it can have control over somebody that's so smart. And, and does know better, but is still dependent and needs it. And that's how you kind of know it's a disease or whatever. Because, like, part of me was like, man, you know what? And and not, not disrespect to him dying, but part of me was just like, man, fuck these guys that are just dying from this shit. Like, don't you know better? Seriously, like, how many times? Like, enough is enough. And I think there's some truth to that. Like, there's enough books out. There's enough stories out. Go online and, and, and look up heroin overdoses. I think it's up like 200,000 deaths a year compared to what it was a couple of years ago because the shit, somebody told me, because it, it's coming from Afghanistan and it's because of the war and it's so strong or some shit. And I don't know what the war had to do with it, so I don't want to fucking sound like I, I, I'm, I, I fucking know politically. But basically with the shit that was going on over there and with the, how it was getting mixed and getting shipped over over here that it was like extra strong I just heard that and that you know people were using it thinking that they could use their normal amounts and the shit was killing them you know and it happened to my brother-in-law in the summer you know God rest his soul and and now it's, it's happening to all these people and I think now they're saying that some of this heroin is 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 laced with this um this medicine that's used for cancer and, and people are dying and you know that's what Philip Seymour Hoffman and it's like man like when are people gonna go hey man Putting a needle in your arm, even if you think you know what's in it and you know the amount that won't kill you, is just a bad fucking idea. Stop it. You know? It's like, when is it silly? Like, when is it just like, really, man, really? And I don't know if part of them just doesn't care, if part of them wants to die, or, or part of I don't know what it is. But it's like, it's just so fucking awful, man. It's really fucking awful. And I hate to end the podcast on a down note. I really do. But, you know, maybe, you know, maybe if this, if somebody can listen to this or if someone's probably, I know somebody who's an addict's probably going to get mad and go, oh, it's easy for you to say. This and that was like, you know what? Not really. Because, you know, I've had my issues with things and I've had to, I've had to, I've had issues with things, but I was also able to say, look, I don't want this anymore in my life, and I wanted to change, and I wanted to figure it out, you know, because when I was partying, and I was all fucked up, and I was, man, I saw some dark days, you know, I saw some really dark days in my life, um, uh, the days right after college, and, and having to leave a college, because I was, I mean, I was bad, you know, and um, my body, my mind couldn't handle it anymore, you know, um, and I was just like, I was just, overwhelmed and had a breakdown with everything but like after a while I was like I don't want this even though you know drinking and all that stuff feels good and and all that stuff like I just don't want this anymore and I was able so fine maybe I'm not an alcoholic who needs it all the time but like I'm still one of those people you know when you party you don't want to stop partying so you got to kind of have a fucking all right man this is it this is the end we got to chill now okay you're buzzed. There's no reason. Get Having another one right now and taking it to another level is not going to matter because you already feel good and it's almost bedtime. Like doing things like that and saying shit like that to yourself. And I know heroin and cocaine are such bigger things, but like I just feel like knowing that they're bigger things like that, like just don't do it. You know? Like I don't know how I feel. I'm really mixed about it. Like part of me is like, no, this is definitely something wrong and is a sickness. And then part of me is like, man, fuck these people. Seriously. Seriously, like if you're that like if you have that much to lose. Like I'll give you a perfect example. I I remember how cocaine felt. You know? I remember. And it felt fucking great. It felt great. Felt invincible. I felt like I could take bullets and keep going. Happy, good mood. Okay, co cocaine makes you feel like this. You know, when you get to a party and you know you don't have to work the next day, and you know you're probably sleeping over at the party, and everything is great, and all your friends and loved ones are at that party, and there's not a care in the world for the next 48 hours, and you're on your first or second drink talking to your favorite people in the world. That's what cocaine is like the whole fucking time you're on it. Okay, you'll bake a cake with a smile on your face at 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, just, you know, it, it's a great feeling. I remember it. And then I stopped for me, 
without a family. Now, you think I would ever take a chance with that shit? Knowing that I got a little boy and a little girl that fucking, you know, needs needs me and, and, and wants me to be around. I mean, of, of course, it's, it's like, you know, and in my business, everybody, and I'm sure you know, there's a lot of temptations. There's a lot of things that we have access to, okay? Even at my level. A guy who's just in comedy clubs and traveling around and shit like that, you know? I couldn't imagine what guys who are fucking getting offered movie deals every week, you know, have the opportunity for. But, like, you know, so the temptation's there, but you just got to be like, no, I can't do it. And the fact that this drug, this heroin is so, is so, it's it's just like, man, I, I just, you know, it's tough. And he hits home a little more with me because it hit my family. And it hit my family hard. And there's not, you know, I think about my brother-in-law all the time. So, um, anyway, I don't want to leave with a downer. I just, I just wanted to say that if, um, you know, I guess using this as any way to help somebody, you know, and, and, you know, and again, I'm not trying to be insensitive to anybody here that that's addictive and is like, well, it's easy for you to say, no, you're right. I've never done heroin before. And I don't, I don't know what that's like, but I can tell you this. I had problems in my life. I didn't have it easy growing up. I had a lot of fucked up things happen. Okay, um, things that I don't wish on anybody. I mean, people had it worse than me, but I had a lot of things, and I definitely uh, medicated some of those things with with booze and hanging out and doing that stuff. But I also got to the root of my problem and figured it out, and don't want that in my life. So I just feel like, you know, it, it af- after a while, it's like I just I feel like this. I feel like using heroin should be looked at as if you're going to the military and there's a war going on. You need to know, like, you need to know if you do it, even if you think, if, if you have to just say to yourself, every time I put a needle in my arm, regardless, I'm, there's, a, I'm, there's a chance I'm going to die, I'm not coming back from it. And and if you take that chance and you take that chance, you're just stupid. That That's that's how I feel about it. So, you know, but maybe that's just the way that I deal with it. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's do some plugs, everybody. Um, see, it doesn't always have to be, the podcast is not always... Somebody said that recently. They were like, look, man, the podcast doesn't always have to be funny. Moments can be funny, but sometimes you want to talk and you want to say things. And um, and I hope my listeners like me getting serious as much as they like me getting a little goofy. If not, what can I do? I mean, I'm not going to tell you to suck my dick like I told the Boston crowd. Look at that. I called it back and I brought everything full circle. Damn it, I'm a professional. Even when I'm a little sick... You lucky pigs. Uh, I'll make the plugs very easy for you guys. Uh, go to the website, paulverzi.com. I will be this Saturday night. I will be on the 8 and 10 o'clock show at The Stand in New York City on 20th and 3rd Avenue. Um, I will also be doing two shows at The Stand on Valentine's Day. I will be doing the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock, something like that. On uh, February 19th, I just got added to the Bill Burr show. I will be opening up for the great Bill Burr at the theater at Westbury. I'm going back in the round, everybody. This is my third time in the round. Almost 3,000 people in the circle, standing in the middle circle in Long Island. Um, Unbelievable moment last year or two years ago, whenever it was. Hopefully, we're going to have that experience again. But I'll be with Bill then, and then I'm obviously touring um, oh, I'd like to make the announcement now. Uh, it's official, and it was pretty amazing. But first of all, yeah, as I mentioned, I will be traveling uh, the country of Canada, and all of Canada. I will be traveling all of Canada via bus tour with me and Bill Burr. We are going to hit Canada everywhere in Canada. Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, Quebec. I mean, you name it, we're going, we're going everywhere in Canada on the bus. That's in March. In April... The Monday Morning Podcast, the Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast Presents Tour, which is me, Jason Lawhead, and Joe Bartnick. Uh, it is officially happening. We are locking down dates and shows now. Um, it's amazing to have, we have one of the biggest agencies out there working on this for us, and it's going to be great. So we're working on a bunch of cities, so stay tuned. Those dates are coming in, and it's going to be great. Um, and uh, also check out my friends, Jason Lawhead tomorrow will be making his stand-up debut on, t- on Access TV's Gotham Comedy Live, and Matt Arise will be making his second appearance, uh, if you guys remember, I did season one, episode one, 
Um, but they will be doing that live tomorrow on Access, so you could check my buddies out on there. And uh, yeah, that's it. Just check uh, my my website. I'll have updated um, updated uh, updated dates on the site at paulverzi.com. Please follow me on Twitter at paulverzi. That's V I R Z I. Um, I'm sorry for the sickness and the voice. I will be better and back earlier next week. And um, just wanted to give you guys uh, just give you know I didn't want to let a week go. So. Um, Hope everything is cool with you guys um, for the rest of your week. I hope the snow doesn't kill you like it's killing us. Looks like we're going to get another 30 inches on Sunday or something like that. I was shoveling all day today sick. I had a foot. Oh, man, it's been. We're just getting hammered with snow. It's unbelievable. It's relentless. Um, so I'm sure if you're in the Northeast, you understand it. You're getting it too. But um, until 148, I will talk to you guys next time. Take it easy.